The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, from Googleization Nation. Uh, we're so happy to have you back uh, for another week. And today, we're going to continue our quest to transform HR. I'm so excited to have the person who Daniel Pink, you're probably familiar with him, uh, described as one of the brightest business minds today. And Fast Company described her as one of the most creative people in business. And as I've gotten to know uh, Charlene, um, I've known her for a while, just but basically from reading books and articles and, and things, um, but having the opportunity to have some conversations with her, participating in a new group she has, Quantum Networks, um, I, I got to tell you, everything that they say about her is true. So, uh, Charlene Lee will be joining us. Her new book, The Disruption Mindset, has been my constant companion for about two months. Um, I, if anybody's been on LinkedIn or Twitter, you've, you've seen my copy. Uh, it's pretty earmarked. And uh, if I could figure out a way to, to kind of highlight and earmark my audible version, I'd do that too. Uh, so I interviewed uh, Charlene just about a month ago uh, in uh, December for my live stream, and uh, I'm so glad she just, she accepted my invitation to to come to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. So it gave me another month to come up with some other questions, uh, figure out ways to <laughs> challenge her. Uh, what's gonna you know basically what's gonna, what's it gonna take to get HR prepared to lead? Um, this organi- lead our organizations in a pretty wacky world. So Charlene will join us shortly. Um, do want to thank uh, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions again for being sponsors of the show. Keith, what's going on? I got to tell you, Ira, it, you know, I, it seems like the, the, the term disruption is always brought up. You know, I could leave the podcast and the next business conversation I have Five, 10, 15 minutes later, we're talking about how some process or some industry or some company is being not just influenced by change, but really disrupted. And, uh, you know, the idea of uh, having Charlene on the show to talk about what HR can do, I think, just falls right in line with this theme that we have. It seems like 2019, we really brought in a lot of technologists, if that's the right way to look at it, right? We're looking at HR from a technology perspective. And now it seems like we've got that we're in stride with the mindset that's going to be required to make change or to, to, to handle all of this change. So it's a little bit more of the same on my end in terms of what's going on. Yeah. And, and this is I mean, this is going to make some people really, really uncomfortable and other people, it, hopefully they're going to get their aha moment. Um, but there's a couple of things you mentioned, I mentioned, and, you know, and you brought a good point up. I, I Everybody talks about growing, whether it's personal growth or whether it's business growth. Everybody talks about growing. And then simultaneously, they almost say that, well, we need to innovate. And Charlene 
really has pointed out in the book, and again, I encourage everybody to do that, uh, to, to, uh, to buy the book, uh, and also to, uh, you know, follow her and, uh, as well as, uh, you know, listen to the live stream we did last month. And I've written a couple of articles that reference her. Um, but, um, as everybody wants to grow and everybody, um, you know, wants to innovate, uh, she had a great quote and I, I just put, I had this out on, on LinkedIn just a little bit earlier today is that innovation is the snooze button for strategy. Which yeah. most people would blow that up and go, how is that possible? We're innovating. And, you know, she, she and again, I don't want to take all the thunder away, because we're, but we're going to dig into this, is that innovation um, is pretty relatively easy. Um, people want to micromanage it, though, which means that it, ver- it barely nudges uh, the status quo. You know that we we're gonna we're gonna do incremental changes because we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to disrupt the status quo. We don't want to disrupt our our good customers. We don't want to make them uncomfortable. And yet, uh, she gives some great examples in the book of companies that have done it. And it's really um, you know it's it's not that you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but maybe you do. Um, you know, just, uh, we talk about ban- uh, burning the boats. Uh, but again, so many companies want to be comfortable in this process, and right. it's a really messy, often slow, very hard process, which if you use those three words to describe what HR is trying to do when they talk about disrupting HR and transforming HR, it's like, hey, this is hard, it's slow, yeah. and it's messy. And they go, oh, we don't want to do that. Nobody <laughs> we does. Don't wanna, <laughs> we don't want to rock right. the book. We want to do things differently, but we want to rock the boat. So Yeah. And I mean, you know, you've you've heard me talk about this since the beginning, right? Life work integration is my uh, my passion, my attempt to help people as employees turn their relationship with stress into a competitive advantage. And the reason why that's there is because more change is coming faster than ever before, and it's going to have a bigger impact than ever before. And change for most people is stressful. And so this idea of turning disruption into a positive output is is just you know right on as far as I can tell in my humble opinion I haven't written my best selling book yet but ultimately you know if a business wants to not just get by they want to look at the future and start you know getting excited about their potential they've got to figure out a way to be of that disruption or disruptive mindset. And, and it's not like whatever else you've ever thought about, right? right? Disruption yeah. isn't what isn't just yeah. basic change. So before we take our deep dive there, I just got a couple of uh, announcements here. It's been an absolutely crazy week. Um, uh, Charlene's actually the sixth interview I've done since our last show. Um, and then four articles that I was writing on and interviewing. So here, here, and these are all, I haven't gotten them all out. I'm going to actually put them out on like a single newsletter because it was just, it was, it was crazy. There were four articles that I was either quoted in or interviewed for, or I wrote that were published in the last three days. I've done three live streams. Um, so we did the one with, uh, I did it with, uh, uh, well, I did with Enrique, which was last week. And then Monday uh, with Kevin Grossman from the talent board. Uh, No, that was Tuesday with Kevin Grossman and uh, Jerry Jerry Christman. What a a great conversation we had there about candidate experience and candidate resentment. And again, this uh, today's topic fits in there. And then Monday, uh, I talked with Gene Meister. 
um, yep. you know, who has future workplace. Um, by the way, and she's, uh, she's actually, uh, when we get to that, uh, Jean said hello to Charlene. Uh, everyone knows Charlene. <laughs> so, so as I mentioned that she was on the show, she says, oh, I haven't, I haven't talked to her in a while. Tell her hello. So uh, there, there's our hello. Uh, so I'm going to put all these out there, but the, the articles, uh, the live streams, the podcasts, um, I'm also putting them in my learning hub. Um, which you can learn more about. I don't want to take too much time there, but by going to googleizationnation.com, you will get all notices, updates uh, before what the calendar of events is, and then also notices where you can get the replays. Um, So that'll sort of, that's going to be our hub, the Googleization Nation. From there, you'll get an invitation to order my new book, the second edition of uh, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, which now we got an official launch date. It's February 4th. Uh, So that will be out live. It should be up on Amazon soon. But if you want a free copy of that, uh, sign up for googleizationnation.com and you'll get that. And you'll also get uh, an invitation to get a uh, to enter our Recruiting in the Age of Googleization Learning Hub, which is uh, really focused on improving your candidate experience. So a lot of stuff going on. And it's only Wednesday. Uh, You're in incredible, the, dude. In the middle of the day. So you talk about disrupting the world. I'm doing my best. Um, you, and and you hopefully are. it'll allow everybody to grow and not just create uh, disruption. Yep. So, so with that, uh, let's bring on, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is politically correct. I don't know if she's the mistress of uh, disruption <laughs> <laughs> or uh, the master of disruption. Um, but anyway, uh, Charlene Lee uh, founded uh, mid, um, I think mid-2000s a uh, firm called Altimeter. I was an analyst firm, great reputation. Um, again, everybody I talk to knows who she is. Uh, either personally or has has read her books. Uh, She has five books out, um, including a New York Times bestseller, Open Leadership. She co-authored probably the most acclaimed book, which was Groundswell, uh, which was how I met, how I was introduced to her. And then the most recent book is The Disruption Mindset, which, as I said, has been my constant companion. Um, I either got the paper copy or the headset on and listen to it. And uh, again, what you know, we're going to start out with uh, talking about, you know, what, what's the difference and why we need it. So welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, Charlene. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it, it's a pleasure. So hey, there's a couple things. One is I, I got I got the um, all the, uh, the the welcomes and the intros from uh, Jean, who who just you know said the other day she says, oh I got to talk to Charlene, tell her I said hello. So um, I'm doing my duty. Um, I had this quote, and I think this is a good place to start because we talk about as you heard us talk about um, we talk about growth. Everybody's talking about growing. Um, we talk about innovation, and everybody makes the 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 um, I guess the analysis or the the equation that if we innovate we grow, and you took it to basically another extreme by saying innovation's the snooze button of strategy. Um, so talk, you know, let's kind of segue into this conversation with that. Right. Um, I, I think in many ways what happens is organizations say, "Hey, let's innovate. Let's go do something um, crazy and off the wall." But we, we can't touch the core of the business. In fact, I'm so busy running the core of the business. You people over there who seem, you know, pretty hip and, and innovative, go off and innovate. Just keep it over there. 
um, in an innovation hub or someplace so they don't have to deal with it. And so when they come up with something really cool and interesting, they bring all the executives in, they put on a great show, and everybody feels great. And then they stand up, applauds, and then leave, and nothing has changed. So I call it innovation theater. It feels great. It's wonderful. You love it, but it's not reality. And reality is that innovation is hard. It is very difficult, and it's going to impact your strategy. So oftentimes, though, when people think about being innovative, they go, well, that's over there. It's not going to change the core of my business. So you think you're being innovative, and in fact, because you're not taking it as seriously and 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 addressing it in a very realistic way, um, you're actually putting your strategy on hold because you're focused only on today and not on the future. So that's why I call it the snooze button. So and and you oh, go ahead, Keith. Thanks, Bud. Charlene, how many leaders, as a you know, out of a hundred, would you say have you feel have the the foresight to recognize the difference between? What I'll say is talking and talking to talk and walking the walk of, of innovation. I would say maybe five out of a hundred actually yeah. do it. And meanwhile, Ira, we talk about how HR seems to be lagging in certain areas of, of change and development. Uh, and now you know, ninety five percent of leaders don't recognize this as the opportunity. Crazy. Yeah, I think in, in HR in particular, uh, again, HR has long struggled about how do they, quote, sit at the strategy table? Um, who's going to, how do they, you know, belly up to it, be be um, relevant to that? And and the one thing I've seen over and over again is none of this happens unless you have the right people. And HR being focused on customers, on the future customers, focused on innovation and the change and how hard it's going to be. And being the conscious in many ways in those discussions to say, hey, wait a minute, I know you really want to do this, but I, you, know, you really want to do this innovation, but why are we putting it there? Why not put it here? I know it's going to be hard, but this is how we can manage it. This is how we can manage that, um, that disruption curve, so to speak. Um, and making sure that we're acknowledging how hard it is and the the people and the culture aspect of this is absolutely the voice that needs to be heard and HR is the voice to raise it. So you have a you have a couple great stories and I actually and, and as I said I've literally been carrying around the book and I've listened to them a couple times because there was so much in there I, I was sort of missing the points but you have two great stories about how both T-Mobile and Adobe um uh, you know, re- really, they were the examples of disruption. But, you know, and I, I mentioned this just earlier and, and sort of, you know, maybe went, just went over it too quickly, is that there's got to be a time when uh, two things that you brought up. One is taking that big gulp, uh, okay, is not just, as you said, having that innovation theater going on, but literally taking the big gulp to be able to do it, but it's also burning the boats, so I, I think those are two great stories. If you can kind of share, um, you know, capsulize them um, on on what HR probably not probably what they need to do if they're truly talking about transformation. So let's yes. talk about you know the big gulp and and burning the boat. Yeah, what happened at Adobe is they decided to go uh, from packaged software into the cloud, and doing that meant they had to change everything 
including taking their income um, down for two years. And as a publicly traded company, you can imagine how stressful that would be. Um, but it was the right thing to do for customers and would prepare them for, for growth. And so the big gulp was like, okay, do we do this? Do we bet two thirds of our business, $2 billion, that this is the right way to go? And, and they literally had to do the research, get all the numbers lined up, and in the end, you're you're taking a chance, you're taking a risk. It's not 100% guaranteed. So that was a big gulp moment. And the burn the and, and the burn the boats moment was when they after the initial test happened, they said, okay, there's no turning back. They took away the package software, so there was no option to turn back. They yeah. had to go forward and be successful. There was and no for anybody who, and for anybody who used Adobe in the past. And again, I, I wasn't. I, I still to this day don't know how to use Photoshop, but obviously a lot of people do, and they made uh, they they make a career out of it. Um, but all of a sudden is that they, they basically, and, and this will lead into talking about the future customer, they basically abandoned or, or looked like they were abandoning their core base, which was a lot of photographers, a lot of graphic designers who only wanted Photoshop. Right. And and the thing is, it, it, the customers didn't want it. In fact, when they announced the uh, decision to discontinue support of and development of the package software, about 50,000 customers signed a petition say, no, we don't want this. We we want to go back. And they said, no, sorry, it's too late. We burned the boats. There was no going back. And and they did the burn the boats because they knew how hard it was going to be, not just with the company, but even their own customers. And what they did is they talked to them. They really talked to them and gave them a Photoshop only option. So you didn't have to buy everything. And then the process expanded the marketplace in the past if you wanted to buy Photoshop, it was eight hundred dollars up front. Now it's ten dollars a month. Right. Completely different new market, and uh, so they expanded the market by doing this. But in the process, literally had to drag their customers along. And, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, I guess that's that was all taking place like in twenty twelve. And aren't they up? Isn't their stock price up like eightfold? Over yes. that period of time, it's seven or eight fold. It's ten x. It's ten x. Oh wow! Yeah. So what yeah. would you, Shirley? What would you say was happening behind the scenes? You know, you mentioned earlier that there's a difference between innovation and, uh, you know, realization of what that innovation can do, that accomplishment. Uh, what's what would you say for the, the the business leaders listening to the show? What should they be mindful of when they're trying to come up with their own version of of innovation and disruption? Well, I, I think, again, behind the scenes here, there was a realization that the market and the world was moving forward and that Adobe wasn't. Uh, same thing with T-Mobile, so many of these companies. And they said, wait a minute, we, we need to stay on top of this, even though nobody was asking for this. They really did the research and said, is this something we could pursue? Does it make sense to do? And the more they, they dug into it, like, yeah, this is the right thing to do for our customers. And what was fascinating, uh, especially in the HR side, I didn't talk about this so much in the book, but one of the things they did in the process was to move um, all the customer service aspects of, of servicing people into the HR department, which is very unusual. Hmm. Um, and the reason is they wanted to strongly connect the customer experience and the employee experience it's because the two go hand in hand. Wow. Es especially wow. during this really difficult time period. 
uh, because it wasn't just hard for the customers. It was extremely hard for employees. Oh, my God. So to center the employee experience around this sense of purpose, of identifying and understanding this new customer experience that we're building together. They have since moved back to having customer service being separate from HR. Um, the time and change, it, it, the times and requirements and the focus of their strategy has changed. But sure. for a good, I think, five years or so, from about, I want to say 2011 or so to 2017, um, they, they were absolutely, um, HR was running customer experience. That is, wow. I've never heard of that. That's something that uh, Kevin Grossman and Jerry Crispin might might want to take away with for that one, Ira. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, no, there's no question. We were talking about that a little bit uh, yesterday about what needs to happen uh, about the disruption. Um, and I, I guess the central theme of this, and I guess this is super critical, that it's not just a matter of kind of throwing in a boulder in the middle of the pond and seeing what shakes out. Um, but you, you really focus, I mean, the strategy really focuses on who is the future customer. Am, am I correct? That's correct. Charlene? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And, and again, especially with HR, because HR is so caught up in day-to-day, um, kind of hassles of just trying to fill open positions, especially, you know, we talk about this every single week, talent acquisition, finding the talent, the skills, uh, you know, it, it's all sort of short term. But if everybody could take a step back and look and say, who is our future employee? Who's our future worker? Who's that future internal customer five years from now? Um, that's, I mean, that's what I'm trying to kind of articulate out there to everybody. And, uh, you know, you, your book sort of kind of was the catalyst that jumpstarted a lot of that, um, you know, and, and is helping a lot. But, but honestly, I'm still sort of struggling how to uh, transform that, uh, you know, how to articulate that for HR. Yeah, I, I look at it this way. HR is responsible for finding the people who are going to drive the business forward. And if you don't understand where the business is going, where your your ultimate customers are going to be, and you're a part of that dialogue and understanding who these people are, what you know, having empathy for them, standing in their shoes, how do they think, feel, what do they say and do, um, then you have no chance of hiring the right people to serve them. So you need to go lockstep across the entire organization, every single person, every function, including internal functions like finance and HR, supply chain, procurement. Everybody needs to understand who that future customer is and start building for that today. And, and so and but part of that is also, again, another part that HR struggles with, you know, they're still trying to get that seat at the table or maybe they got the seat at the table. Now they're trying to get a voice at the table. But they're the strategies from HR don't always uh, they're they're implementing. They're not implement. They don't have a strategy. They're implementing um, kind of the day to day operations of getting people, you know, to fill the seats. Um, but oftentimes they don't understand the business. They don't. They don't understand what the the future customer of the business is. So this is also an opportunity. If HR starts to ask these questions of who is our future customer, in order for us to do our job, we have to understand who the future customer is. Uh, the, they may be the catalyst that helps management do what they have to do. Yes. Um, I, I recently had lunch with a friend of mine, Gary Bowles, who writes a lot about the future of work. 
And he said something very interesting. He said that the sacred task of HR is to help humans reach their potential, help us reach our find and understand our human potential. And I thought that was really interesting because we think the job of HR is to, you know, fill the seeds, make sure that well, all the paperwork is filled out, write the people, retain people, things. But if you look at and step back and say, our sacred task is to help people reach their full potential, <clears throat> um, then you start shifting that strategic value. And for HR to not take on that role, to have that mindset, to say, why are we here? The operational tactical stuff everyone has to deal with. This is not unique to HR when you're in customer service. It's answering the phones when you're in sales. Hit the quarterly numbers. But when you think about and step back and go, what are we here for? Do what are we doing every day? To ask those questions that are strategic. To be at the strategy table, you have to know what the business is doing. There's no escaping that. Right. Right. And this, this touches, this touches, I know we're coming up on the break here, Ira, but this touches on something that hopefully we can get to after the break, Charlene, because I'm curious to learn from you how you see the other department heads influencing HR as we move, you know, into the, in the, the future of work. In other words, I can't help but think that HR isn't the most qualified to handle all of this work. And I'm curious to find out maybe Ira after the break. Yeah, we could. We yeah, go there. Oh, absolutely. Yep, cool. for sure. Uh, so you are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We're with Charlene Lee, uh, author of the Disruption Mindset, and again, um, which has been my constant companion for the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. We've been talking about the disruption mindset. Uh, how, um, you know, what the difference between growth and innovation and disruption is, uh, how HR can uh, step up to the plate and, and be really an integral part of this transformation, uh, disruptive transformation. So stay right where you are. Uh, we'll be back in two minutes. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hi everyone, this is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ivor Wolf, uh, with Keith Compagna, uh, my co-host and buddy. Uh, and we've got Charlene Lee today, uh, author of The Disruption Mindset. Uh, we've been having a great conversation um, about how 
innovation and disruption uh, go hand in hand and how they differ. Uh, every, you know, every, everybody out there wants to grow, whether it's professionally, whether it's, it's as, as growing their business, um, whether it's just growing as an individual. And uh, yet we, uh, we have a, a really tough time sometimes making that transformation. So uh, a lot to be had, heard uh, and learned um, over the next couple minutes. Uh, if you have any questions, by the way, we are live today. Uh, and you can call 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. Uh, or you can, if you're on LinkedIn, uh, post a question up to uh, one of our posts there, and uh, we'll we'll try to get that answered for you. Uh, Keith, hey, before we uh, – one more thing I just want to do and make sure we don't gloss over this. Um, Charlene's website is Charlene Lee. That's Charlene, C-H-A-R-L-E. N E L I dot com. Um, if you go up there and actually if you put a forward slash disruption dash mindset after it, uh, you'll go you'll go up, you'll learn about the book, you can get an excerpt of the book. Uh, but she's got a bunch a whole bunch of resources up there. There's a, a really nice six part uh, she calls it the six part book companion. You can download that. It's kind of a step by step of things that we're gonna talk about and in, in, in this uh, part of the show. Uh, there's an assessment. You can find out where you fall on the disruptor uh, scale. And then uh, there's some other information up there. But uh, I do want to make note of that as people are following the line if they want to get more information from there. So, Keith, uh, you started a kind of a conversation during the break uh, about leaders. Um, I, I guess how many leaders are getting on board and, and, and um, you know, as far as coaching and, yeah. and Charlene's role in that. So why don't you pick it up where you we kind of yeah, left it off. And Charlene, uh, just to give you a little bit of color here, my uh, about six or seven months ago, I was laid off from a, a software company out there in Silicon Valley and decided to make a run at creating my own, you know, consulting firm. That's you know, it's in total startup mode, but I'm having a lot of fun talking to people about how to realistically manage and take on the new challenger mindset or disruptive mindset that everyone in an organization is going to need. And so my curiosity, now that I get the chance to talk to you on the podcast, is where do you see the, the, the depths of this concept going inside of organizations? Because from my perspective, this, can, this is a massive opportunity for competitive advantage. If you could get everybody in the room, understand who they are, maybe personality-wise through assessments, and certainly technically skill sets can be done through assessments, and then you get to collaborate then you have something that you can move a company forward with. And I think because so few companies are doing it, if you can do it sooner than later, you're going to reap the benefits. So I'm curious if I'm onto something here or, and what, it's, what you're seeing out there in terms of how companies are talking and engaging all of their employees, not just their executives. Yes, I, I think one of the biggest differences between now and, and just even five years ago, and the reasons why disruption is so interesting, is that we have the ability to align organizations very quickly to make sure that everyone's on the same page, have the same skill sets, and are able to move together forward much faster than we have. Uh, we have this situation where we call change fatigue. People are like, oh, it's just been changing constantly. And so the disruptive organizations that are able to have resilience in the face of change, who more than just re are resilient, are thriving. Uh, if you're familiar with the idea of anti-fragile, it isn't that you just don't break. You get stronger every time right. you hit a bump. And I, I, uh, I love this idea. You were talking about being stressed before. There's a difference between being stressed 
and being stretched. And people who are stretched but know that they can handle it. They may be a little bit sore, but their muscles are going to be stronger as a result. Knowing why you're doing this, sense of purpose, alignment around it, having the support of other people, um, a sense of belonging, which is the the end result of all the diversity and inclusion. It's a strong sense of belonging. is yeah. one of the best stress busters out there. Absolutely. And it allows you to stretch more because exactly. you, you get a sense of camaraderie. You get a sense of shared visions, shared values. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that when you're getting all of that, a natural byproduct is that your insecurities and your vulnerabilities kind of go to the side. You're, you're, more, you're more relaxed, which, you know, we know the research is out there. A relaxed mindset is a creative mindset. Uh, is an engaging and collaborative mindset. So it really speaks on so many different levels in terms of how a company can can build a culture, right? And now if we take it to the next step further, uh, Ira, a company has a culture that's you know expanding and 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 doing amazingly fun things. The recruiters can now market that employee brand. And now here comes the the brightest and the best minds in the area or even globally, right? This is the mind. This is what uh, I think, um, you know, Deloitte refers to as the social enterprise, right? You have to start with your employees or you're, you're just going to fall short. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I was yeah. muted a little bit. Go ahead. <laughs> I think when I, we oftentimes, we were just um, before the break, I was asking the question, you know, what other departments could really help HR with this transformation? And I think in, in particular, marketing could really help because what is, what is HR really doing instead of marketing uh, a product or service, you're marketing the company and the potential to work there and grow yourself. Yeah. And so the, be, knowing how you can do engagement, um, the the ideas around taking customer experience best practices and, and throwing them into employee experience yeah. uh, initiatives. I think the best thing you could do is to steal your best um, go-to-market people from marketing and, and to some degree also customer service and bring them into HR and do what they do so well for customers but for people. For people, right? And it's interesting because, Charlene, over the, the last couple months, I've started to notice that I don't like, you know, there's like a discussion that's out there having to do with how HR hasn't been giving nearly as much technology and training as say operations or client services or sales, right? Inside of organizations. So I kind of, I can't help but think that the leaders inside of these different departments are going to be who oversee this kind of transformation and maybe HR becomes more administrative. Do you do you see more HR leaders than I do, or do you think that this is this is going to be an all hands on deck kind of a project? Well, I see sometimes HR just saying, "I can't do this." Here, marketing, you take over employee engagement. They actually say, "Look, we can't do this." So take yeah. over internal and external communications, marketing, all that stuff. Just put it over there, and we'll just do the tactical stuff. Right. I, I think that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is. Go handle these things so we can focus on the strategic issues um, of things. So I think there's two ways you can do that, and, and that depends on where you are as an HR leader. 
is do you want to take on more of that strategy? Do you want to partner very strongly with your other departments? Um, One professional services firm did exactly that. They, They said, take over the employee communications because frankly, you guys got the machine. You have the operations to do that in your department. We don't want to replicate that. But that is going to allow us to optimize the recruiting and other aspects of the function and development, those kinds of things, really optimize those, and also focus much more on the strategy of where we need to go. Right, and where we're going, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was uh, I I was actually looking up something. I was typing. And I didn't want to interfere. So, Charlene, you, you mentioned about being stretched, and obviously, there's a there's a different stretch that people are going to have to do. Some people are going to be more um, fluid and and flexible, and other people are are going to be pretty stiff uh, to as a baseline. So, I know you have an assessment. Um, that looks at the mindset, but you were also talking about leadership, and and again, it's not there's it. Not everybody has to be on a scale of one to ten at that number ten disruptive level to be effective in their organization, because not every organization, um, maybe not every organization has to go to the depth uh, or extent that an Adobe or a T-Mobile did, uh, which you can read about a little bit more in the book. So you talk about the four. Um, I think there's there's four archetypes. You're talking about the four leadership archetypes. Can you talk a little bit about them and 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 where, where each one might fit in in a strategy? Sure. Yeah, I I have this idea of a disruption quotient on a scale of one to ten. One being you don't like change at all. You like things being the same every day, and ten being you feel really confident about your ability to drive exponential change in the organization. So you don't just build, blow things up. You build things too as well. And it, the goal isn't here to be a 10 because you could be a three, but if your organization is a two, you are killing it. I mean, you're like blowing things up left and right relative to where everyone else is. Yeah, you're, the, you're the enemy, right? You're only yeah, a three, right? <laughs> exactly. But you could be an eight, but if your organization is a nine or a 10, you're the laggard. So the archetypes take that into account in every organization have these four archetypes. Uh, and it's based on how open you are to change your openness to change mindset and then also your leadership behaviors and your confidence and ability to to um, empower people and to inspire them to create change so this is about leading not just yourself but inspiring other people to take on the mantle of being a leader Um, and so the, the the people who are really high in both of these are realist optimists if you're strong in the leadership, but not so strong on the, the change mindset, you're a steadfast manager. If you're really strong on the change mindset, but you're not that great at leading people, you're going to be an agent provocateur. And my favorite are the worried skeptics. They, they, they don't really like change a lot, and their leadership is much more directly in front of them. They, they actually do the work themselves. And my favorite group of this is the worried skeptics. Because I'm convinced the more and more I look at these organizations, you can only go as fast as your slowest worried skeptic. And as long as your worried skeptics buy into your strategy, believe in this ability to serve the future customers, as long as they buy into the strategy, you can work with them. And the the task I think that they're really good at is looking at all the things that can go wrong, tap into their natural abilities to say, the sky is falling, and have them come up with all the contingency plans because you're going to need them. 
you need somebody who can anticipate all the things that are going wrong and then put the plans in place. And the worried skeptics are really good at this. Uh, so I, I look at the roles that each of these archetypes have in a disruptive organization. And again, every organization has them. Um, the, the being able to tap into the disruptive cap- capabilities of every single person is absolutely essential. So, so let's go back to the Adobe story a little bit because that's pretty dramatic. Um, and you know, the assumption would be, uh, you know, if you just read that story in a leadership book, is, is that you had an you know, a provocateur, an agent provocateur, or a realist optimist. That was leadership. They were driving it. They were ahead. But you know, within that organization, especially since they did get all that pushback, there had to be a, a, a fair amount of worried skeptics. So looking at an organization that has people, and especially in HR, that is sort of hunkers around uh, status quo, um, how can, you know, uh, I, if the organiza- if you have to transform, but you have an overabundance of worried skeptics, isn't that a problem? It is a problem if the worried skeptics are not bought into the strategy. And, and that's a different issue. If they're not bought into the strategy, then you have to have a different discussions that says, Do you, can you be in this organization? Because this is the strategy. We're not going to turn back from it. We've burned the boats. We're moving forward. And if you don't believe in the strategy, then we have to talk about whether you have a role in this organization or not. And unfortunately, I think a lot of companies don't have that honest conversation with people. It's like you either buy into the strategy or you don't. You're either going to play with this or not. And then in Adobe, what happened was they had a lot of, I'll give an example of the community managers. Some of them loved it. Most of them like, this is a horrible idea. Our community hates this. Mm-hmm. They were they were the ones dealing with the fifty thousand people going. I don't want this. Or screaming in the ear, like, how can you do this to See, us? See, you were right. See, we were, we we were right. You shouldn't yeah, have done exactly. it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and so they were absolutely worried skeptics. And what Adobe said to them is like, look, we're going forward. We burn the boats. Let's use your natural inclination to listen to this community to figure out like how do we move forward from here. Let's use your great problem solving skills anticipate all the things that they're going to say and and be upset about because you're upset about them and we will systematically go through them. So it is, it is a full recognition that as long as these people are willing to work through it and they're moving forward, then we need to bring them along and they become extremely valuable. They may not move as fast, but they will move faster than they had in the past. The question is, will they move forward? How much heavy lifting do you have to do to um, to move that forward? And you can become completely stuck if you're fighting about what the strategy should be. And that is, again, that's a different, different question that you just have to um, get around and, and identify what the strategy is going to be. So, Charlene, um, if, if you're a, you know, a, Yes, large companies have, I would think, an advantage just based off of the sheer numbers play here, right? But if I have 500 employees, if I have less than that, what kind of fundamentals should I look to, you know, in, learn or at least, you know, incorporate into this, uh, transformation like what your what Adobe went through? I mean, it's rare enough to do that kind of a transformation. Um, but on a smaller scale, what are the where are the building blocks? 
It's the same building blocks, actually. I think knowing who your customers are, being able to go out there and identify where they're going, where your future customers are, then bring it back and saying, how are we going to serve those future customers? It's the same mechanics. The difference is how many layers, how many hierarchies, how many different divisions you're going to be doing this and the coordination of that at larger organizations. It's more complex at them and there are more considerations um, and frankly, hierarchies that, that need to be aligned. So this is a lot more alignment that has to happen in large organizations. Um, small and medium-sized size organizations, nothing, I, what I've seen, you do the same exact things. There's no shortcuts. There is no, uh, in fact, it's a little bit easier because it should be um, easier for you to have those conversations across a smaller organization. I, I find that over 150 or so, again, Dunbar's number, um, it starts getting complex because you don't have that direct connection with people on, on a pretty regular, everyday basis. And so you have to put more effort into the communication of what your strategy is, what the disruption is, and holding people together across multiple spheres and layers of, of hierarchy becomes a really specialized skill for leaders who know how to lead throughout layers of the organization. Yeah. So, so if there's one place to start, and again, we've got a lot of small, medium-sized business, a lot of consultants that are on the show, and and uh, we're, we've got a growing audience, so there's there's hopefully some people from corporate America as well. Um, is and I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. Is focusing is is the introduction to this focusing on who the future customer is. Is that Absolutely. where this is that the best place to start? It is. And I hear so many HR people go, well, my customer isn't the customer. It's an internal customer. I'm like, no, 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 that's true. Right. But you have to understand who your external final end customer is. And especially even so with B2B, because it's not even your B2B customer. Maybe your B2C customer. Mm -hmm. Knowing how that all works puts you in the frame of mind of being a business owner. And that's the key, is when you think about the customer, you're thinking about owning the business with the customer. And it puts everybody into a place of strong agency, of acting like an owner. That's why it's so important. And, and that ties in so well into the, um, you know, alignment, aligning business uh, HR strategy with business strategy. Um, you, you know, they're, they're, they, they've got to be aligned. And ultimately, uh, HR strategy is supposed to, to help execute. Uh, the business strategy, which means understanding who who your customer is. I've always I said this for a long time, is that when 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 my when a client calls me and we do pre-employment and leadership testing, it is a core part of our business, and they'll they'll describe the position and I'll say, who is your customer? How is this person supposed to serve your customer? That's what I want to match to. I don't want to know that they can do the job to the task. I want to know that they can deliver the service to to your customer. That's the most important, you know, to, that's the most important part. So, again, we're, we're, we're aligned there and we're almost out of time. So, uh, again, goes incredibly fast. Uh, Charlene, uh, you got a lot of ways people can get in touch with you other than going to Amazon and buying the disruption mindset or going to your your website. They can get a signed copy, right? <laughs> yes, they can. So, uh, so give the website how people can get reach out to you and tell real quickly. Talk about the quantum networks. Sure, uh, my website is charlene lee dot com. Just my name. Um, I'm also on 
all the social media channels. So please connect with me there uh, with my, my name again. And I also started a new group called Quantum Networks. And you can find it at quantum-networks with an S.com. And it's a community to support disruptive leaders in their quest to create exponential change and growth. What I found in my research is that it's pretty hard. It's, it's very lonely in many ways, being the disruptor in an organization, no matter what the size. And so I wanted to create a place where disruptors could come in, find solace and support, um, uh, connect with people, um, go into small groups of circles and, and have deeper confidential discussions and maybe even meet face to face. So that's the idea behind Quantum because I thought I wanted to create a safe place for disruptors to learn and grow. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and I've been uh, engaging with some people. I, I, was, I, know, I think I was one of your early participants in that. And uh, it's it's been great. I, I know it's it's early and things are still forming there. But I already met a, a number of good people, had some conversations uh, within the community and uh, outside the community uh, with those connections. So, yeah, so I, I highly, highly recommend that. But I definitely recommend getting the disruption mindset, whether you're, you're, you're going to listen to it or read it or whatever. Um, I, so many great great points and especially for anybody in HR I think this is the business book that you need to look at this year so uh, again I, I thank you Charlene I know you've been very gracious uh, you're, you're busy I, you know, I know you got lots of <laughs> a lot of stuff going on as we all do uh, and uh, so I appreciate the, the live stream interview which people can listen to and also uh, you know being on geek skeezers and Googleization thanks very much any closing words advice no, I, I, I think more than anything else, go out and disrupt. If you you know you're doing it right, <laughs> when your palms are sweating and your stomach is churning, you know you're doing it right then. Nice. Good Thank advice. You, Good advice. Thanks. Okay. Uh, hey, Keith, any um, closing comments, thoughts? Another, no, another, I, you know, another phenomenal I, I, show. Got us stretched. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I just love the idea of what Charlene just said right there. Be the disruptor. Don't expect somebody else to do it and get uncomfortable. If you do it with you know transparency and with good intention, you can't make that much of a mistake. You'll be fine. Yep. Future customer. Think about it. Yep. So again, uh, we're at the end of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, another show. We can't thank everyone for uh, enough. We can't thank everyone enough for listening. Um, you know, hopefully uh, you'll you'll share the episodes. Replays will be up on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart um, over the next couple days. So um, if you miss this or you want to listen to it again, uh, definitely go up and um, you know sign up, uh, subscribe to the to Geek Skeezers Googleization on your favorite platform. Uh, you can go up to geekskeezersgoogleization.com. All our our episodes are archived on there as well. And uh, don't forget to go to uh, Googleization Nation. Uh, and subscribe, and you'll get updates and uh, notices, uh, webinars, live streams, podcasts, articles, you name it. A couple special offers, too, um, that I've got. Uh, you know, uh, Again, I'll, I'll put all the information about Quantum Networks and Charlene there. Um, Future Workplace, which I mentioned the other day, uh, just earlier in the show, uh, with Gene Meister. I actually have a discount coupon for a course that's coming up, uh, AI for HR. Uh, it's a new online course that she's starting, and she uh, she was gracious enough to give me a discount for any all our listeners. Um, so we'll get that out to everybody. Uh, thanks to Zor.ai Success Performance Solutions for helping us uh, be on the air for for your support. And until next week, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna, listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Don't let the shift hit your plans. 